Hello everyone and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine. My name is David Walker and I am bringing you the themed issue for November 2020. The theme is In Response and it was curated by guest editor Trish Hopkinson. And one of the joys that I have when I'm putting together these themed issues is finding the music for the issue. Um, usually I just kind of go off of the uh, the theme, the word, and I, and I uh, go to the internet and I look for uh, copyright free music. So music I can just put on there without worrying about uh, anybody suing me. So <laughs> um, it, was, it was wonderful when one of the pieces selected mentioned Miles Davis and I thought call and response and in response and jazz and improvising and I was like this is great this fits out perfectly and I happened to find it so this piece of music and this issue with this theme I, I'm just very excited to bring it to you so uh, let's get straight into it the themed issue for November 2020 in response um, yeah let's just get to it here you are This poem was inspired by a controversial art piece by British artist Damien Hirst. When Lorette Luzajic, editor of the Frastic Review, recently published my poem, she included a video interview with Hirst that showcases this particular artwork. You can connect with that video directly via my website under the tab Poems Online. This poem begins with a quote from Damien Hirst on his art piece, For the Love of God. He said, I felt like Oppenheimer or something. What have I done? Because it's going to need high security all its life. Double Venetus. Our God is uncanny, pixelated in its effigy antics, elated for this shimmering, crusted skull, 8,601 flawless diamonds, and a pear-shaped pink one, third eye of the forehead, technical refinement by hired hands. A concept is a concept is a commodity. On a dare, our God forged toothy marketplace of forbidden fruit, no one to blame, God's way to animate another exquisite corpse for our laps, each gem stud making its claim for punchline. Platinum cast of a lucky 18th century chap who got to keep his teeth that held a pipe, chewed on penny loaf. Hollow man immortalized by hollow man for 50 million pounds in auction. Our God smirks behind a two-way mirror. Slow time holds us in the drop jaw of still life. Luminous decay, market shelves bloated, overripe, and spoiling. My name is Kate Wilson. 
and this is my poem, The Impossibility of Love, inspired by Van Gogh's painting, Cathay Terrace at Night. He found God in blistered stars, rivets of gold on canvas, vivid to distraction. Yellow, lemon green, enough to draw tears, all the colours of years unlived. Only audacious dreams, a single man on a knife edge, brightened by art. Florid passion spilt in blue. Multitudes of starry nights on plazas where lovers took drinks, fled days, paused to dream. Shadows fall, shrink as I do, from the light in his eyes. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about the impossibility of love and the inspiration behind it and the project that it's going to be a part of. So this is the first poem that I wrote, inspired by one of Van Gogh's paintings. I actually have Cafe Terrace at night hanging in my living room. So it seemed like a good place to start on this project in which I'm planning to explore the life and works of Van Gogh and kind of draw a parallel with my own life and experience. So you end up with this two-pronged narrative. Um, I'm not sure how long the full sequence will be as yet, but I have written a fair number of poems now and I'm continuing to do so. I am someone who likes to sit down in one sitting and draft something, and then I'll often find myself incredibly preoccupied when I should be doing other things for the rest of the day and kind of coming back to certain lines and editing. So I tend to do that quite rapidly and then possibly leave it a little bit and come back later. I'm excited to be working on this. Um, this year I'd spent some time working towards uh, my first pamphlet collection, which is coming out in January from Wild Pressed Books. It is called One Night in January and it explores the kind of life-changing moments we sometimes experience when we meet someone very interesting um, who might change our perspective on things or make us remember things about ourselves that we might have forgotten in the past. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for listening to my poem and I hope you enjoyed it. View of the Universe, Stellar Nebula, by Pat Phillips West. Emptiness and substance overlap at the silent center of infinity, where unfurling tendrils of interstellar gas and dark cosmic dust shapeshift into ghosts shrouded in white tulle, their wispy spiraling torsos strike poses as if choreographed by Martha Graham. There in the light booth, some master hand controls luminous sapphires and diamonds that dominate an onyx black sky not even Flagel could render. In front of the proscenium arch, a kaleidoscope of topaz, chocolate opal, and ruby orbs, some no brighter than a hundred-watt bulb, little failed stars crowd the stage, hitting their mark for ten trillion years.
This poem came from a writing assignment to find a photograph or a painting and write an ekphrastic poem. I researched online and discovered NASA photos from the Hubble telescope, which I discovered is as long as a school bus, weighing as much as two elephants, zipping around Earth at five miles per second. And I found this particular stellar nebula fascinating because it looked like ghosts dancing, but not just dancing. They were performing as if choreographed by Martha Graham. And then I researched stars and the various colors of stars that are captured in this photo and had to include that in the poem as well. It was enlightening and fascinating. Hi, this is Joyce Hayden, and I'll be reading my poem, Deliberate, which is an ekphrastic piece written in response to Picasso's painting, Guernica. Deliberate. This is the chaos burning through tissue and veins. This is what I know. The scream that won't die, that even fire couldn't quench. In the middle of your strong body, a horse's heart that did everything it could not to quit. You clasped daggers in your hands, but wounded yourself, not others. You held yourself under blinding interrogation lights, never allowing the switch to turn off. This is what I know. Hands reached for you, but you needed to be the bull, the fighter, the protector. When you could no longer manage that, the colors faded, the lights went out, the background swallowed your air. All that was left in your mother's garage was the horse's hair that you tied in knots then swung from. This is what I know. It brings some consolation to imagine the force that flowed through your body that final hour. I picture Guernica, the inner war, the voices, the black and white, the gray, the frenzy, the decapitations, the blood, the eye that never shuts. Yes, the eye. And after the air once again stilled in the room, the hushed quiet, the blessed silence. Hi, this is Joyce Hayden. I teach a weekly ekphrastic writing group. And a couple of months ago, we were studying cubism in general and Picasso's Guernica painting in particular. It's a painting of agony, of horror and destruction. 
depicting the battle of the town of Guernica during the Spanish Civil War in 1937. While my students were writing, I stared at the painting and all I could think about was a friend who had recently died by suicide. Trying to make sense of his actions, I imagined his final feelings as the chaotic energy of Picasso's painting. My poem, Deliberate, is my attempt to reconcile my personal response to my friend's death. Thank you. Thanks for reading. Colleen does the DIA, Rivera Kahlo show. Not beautiful or sexy, wrong words. She does the DIA in Colleen style with no last name. Playfully lick the marble without saliva or arrests. Body defined, Mexican breasts hang at odd angles. And some statues' penises go missing, never to be found. Flirting with a bodiless woman as someone tests the energy fields of ancient mummies whose souls are trapped in geometric precision forever. Her mane, it hangs carefree over shoulders, swaying to imagined rhythms of frozen bronze women. She charades through them, arms extended, boat shoes on point, onto the next exhibit of mechanized people, lost babies, discarded strands of hair, infuriatingly awkward hair parts, delightfully boyish, equivocally womanly, not beautiful or sexy, wrong words. The dead art museum springs to life as the strangely fascinating Colleen does the DIA. This poem evolved out of a visit to the Detroit Institute of Arts Rivera Kahlo show with a woman who said she didn't like to be called beautiful. Rather than restricting the piece to an ekphrastic exercise, I made it about the experience of the museum where Colleen as spectator becomes an active participant in the art and the poem opens up a playful yet more complex space of beholding and beholder writer My name is Susan Weaver, and I'm reading my poem, Benedicion, for Armando Passi, after a painting by Joseph Scrappitz. Like rifles leaned against a bamboo hooch, your brows knit, Armando, as if remembering Nam, 1968. Again, you fingered those save-your-ass rosary beads as phantom jets rain napalm over water buffalo, rice paddies, Vietnamese flesh, and your own swart skin doubles the danger of not-so-friendly fire from your platoon. You watch through hollows like charred shadows, Armando, as if you see young Carmen's lapsed wings and dark, outstretched eyes, craving a hug from a street poet at the homework club the morning after gunshots splattered a man's brains on her kitchen floor. You, bony shoulders in a white undershirt, frame perhaps unchanged 
from Count Spider at 15, toughened by St. Vincent's Home for Boys and Brooklyn Streets, one of the seven hustlers scrounging, doping, warring against the Apaches and Black Diamonds. Altar boy, no more. Laying aside your pen to sit for a portrait, did you conjure Armando people and things lost? The work remaining in a life of poetry and purpose, urban repair and second chances, or a benedicion for those departed and those you'll leave behind? Benedicion for Armando Passi is a response to a portrait my husband painted. Armando Passi was a popular spoken word poet at a coffee house in Allentown, where I live. But I wasn't into that scene. Instead, we connected through an arts gallery where I led a poetry group. Armando had a grant through the gallery to publish a chapbook. The gallery director asked me to help as editor. I read the poems and we met. We were the same age, but otherwise quite different. White, I grew up middle class, two parents, suburban, college. Mondo was black, Spanish Jew, Turk, Carib Indian. Raised in Catholic orphanages in New York. A teen in a gang on the violent streets of Brooklyn. Served in Vietnam. He survived all that and wrote about it. His first poetry workshops were for veterans struggling with life back home. In Allentown, he was teaching poetry to inner-city kids. He had a gift for helping troubled children to open up. So there were things in his poems I didn't get. Stories that could be told more fully. Line by line, we talked about each poem. He told me their backstories. He revised. Over time, he gave me as much as I gave him this passionate poet of urban life. We often sat in my city backyard to work. One day my husband drew Armando's head in ink for the chapbook cover. Later, from photos, he painted the portrait I describe. Armando, his hair in short dreadlocks, eyebrows knit in concentration. My poem is also about his poetry, which flavors my poem, and a response to a man who became my friend 20 years ago. His chapbook came out and we were both very pleased. Eight months later, sad to say, Mondo died of lung cancer in a VA hospital. And thus my last line about those you'll leave behind and my title, Benedicion for Armando Passi. Mary Elder Jacobson, in one mother's voice at moth hour, after the poem, What Voice at Moth Hour, by Robert Penn Warren. In one mother's voice at moth hour. What voice at this hour would I hear? Who's calling as I stand in the kitchen while outside white snowflakes between bare apple limbs are falling, whiter than the russets I mash at twilight. 
let voicemail pick up. Right now, I want to steam green beans and listen, amused, as our toddler utters early words. They flow from him like streams that ripple from a dew-kissed mouth. His sputter, murmur, gurgle floods our home. His voice alone we echo dawn to dusk. Our voice he echoes until sounds soft as mossy stepping stones settle down and wait for words to land with gentle footfall. The voices I pretended at story time he now asks for again, as if what he'd heard were magic. And with his eyes wide open, lifting his brow, he waits for owl and bear, wood frog and lark. I turn down the flame, turn from the kitchen, and turn to play on the floor. We sort through our blocks from the toy chest, build shelters for tiny beings, tuck in our plastic animals. We say, here is your home. Croissant by Wei Mi Chan Didn't you see? Didn't you know? You're Sandra O. Oh. You like croissants in a meeting, just like Eve. We all ate croissants. It wasn't just me. I like Sandro, so no problem, no. I'm weary too, wearing a coat this worn through. But it's oh so true. She lives in New Malden, just like you. Yes, I know, I do. Oh ho. You are so Eve, you are, Sandra O. Oh. She's Korean and I'm British-born Chinese. She's obsessed with her job and you are too. Don't you see? It's not that you look like Eve. She likes croissants and so do you. You don't know enough Asian character and actors though. You know too few. I have been Mulan, Lucy Liu, Pocahontas too. Don't you see it though? Don't you see? I do have a white partner, just like Eve. Don't you see? Don't you see it though? I am, we are, Tan and Doe. Which actor would play you in the story of your life? I choose Michelle Yeoh. How do you pronounce that? Who is she? Why not O? She is you. You are her. Why don't you believe? Michelle Yeoh plays good and evil and does her own stunts. What do we know her from? Why not Oh, she likes croissants? She was in Crouching Tiger. I know Crouching Tiger. I love Crouching Tiger. Me too. Discovery and many Hong Kong moo. Who? These. She's a huge Malaysian star and she knows Kung Fu. She wasn't she a Bond girl? In Crazy Rich Asians too. Michelle, you not O. Oh, Sandra O. Oh, you are Sandra O. Oh. Please do not cast me. It is not cool. But Eve lives in New Morden, just like you. New Morden is little Korea. Of course she might do. Don't you see? Don't you see? It's only because of the croissants. Are we friends still? Yeah, sure. Only Bance and Eve wants to kill.
A Minor Monster by Nancy Jorgensen I sweep my hand across the ebony case. Remember the force to swing a hammer. Tufted leather holds me. At elbow height, 36 black, 52 white. On the rack, an ancient shermer. It is scary to begin. Earlier, my friend Jean proposed this sonata, Schumann's Fantasy Stücke. She would play clarinet, I would play piano, at recitals and house parties. I knew the piece would be a devil to tame. But it might make me smile or cry or remember or forget. I used to love a demon problem. The quadratic formula in high school, conjugations in college, a 10% mortgage in my 20s. But I was young and believed my worst problems involved only equations and gerunds and interest rates. There's no rush, Jean said, but her face told me to hurry and explore this beast's whispers and whines, its shivers and shrieks. I welcomed a behemoth I could control. Jean had handed it to me, notes and rests a skeleton, only bones, until we added muscle, fat, and skin. I'll start today, I said. I play the first movement, Zart und mit Ausdruck, tender and with expression, perhaps a friendly monster. I look for structure and style and discover right-hand triplets that spin in A minor mood. I disappear inside, trading reality in favor of a phrase. My right hand plays three notes while my left plays two. It is easy. The second eighth note equidistant between the last two notes of the triplet. But then I find a figure in the right hand where the final note is part of two rhythms. It is both a duplet and a triplet. I puzzle how the same note can be halfway through the beat and also two-thirds of the way through the beat. Connected yet contrary. Like a father who marched along in tempo until cancer interrupted with its twisted rhythm. Then nothing felt in sync, like a polka in five. I find a Reddit thread about Julian Hook's analysis. He suggests playing the shared note twice, once for the duplet and again for the triplet. I establish a flow, and when the rhythm occurs, I double strike, like the one-two punch of radiation and chemo. It feels awkward under my hand, ugly to my ear, and graceless. That leaves two other suggestions. Play the triplet accurately, letting the duplet sound late, or play the duplet accurately, letting the triplet sound early. Neither seems acceptable. Like a brother-in-law battling cancer, wrestling two absurd options, do nothing and survive four months, or live a year with chemotherapy, covered in sores. I read that Brahms used this figure but never explained it. Known for his detailed instructions, he dumped the problem on the performer. Like chaos at a family picnic, the players left to their own devices. More vodka and tonics than hamburgers and hot dogs. More angry words than affable hugs. More bitter arguments than sociable games. The next day, I flip to movement three. Schumann wants it quick and with fire, and at the end, schneller und schneller faster and faster. So before one problem has been solved, another looms. Like a husband's hip surgery, 
when the doctor nicked a vessel. Before his hip could heal, he stopped breathing and needed a ventilator to squeeze air into his chest. Hook concludes the pattern is impossible. Not merely challenging or difficult, the rhythm is unattainable. The performer must find a compromise, like conversing with a mother-in-law who is lost in the corridors of age, like searching for that magical word that will connect to her mind wandering toward another world. I studied the passage again and realized the upper voice creates a melody while the lower voice alternates an E. I opt to emphasize the melody and let the E fall as it may, content to make peace with the unexplainable. Like a mother-in-law with dementia, like a brother-in-law with cancer, like a husband in intensive care. I spend weeks mastering tricky fragments, harnessing notes to the ticks of a metronome. Jean practices at her home, skirmishing with Goliaths like range and tone quality. She messages me, are you ready to put this together? She arrives and I roll back the fall board, expose the keys. Jean sucks her reed and then screws it to her mouthpiece. I strike an A. She croons the note, adjusts a joint, and tries again. I begin the introduction. Rivers of harmony where she can sail. More sea than swamp, I hope, for her own Loch Ness of breath control and chalumeau. Years ago, I glimpsed the monsters. They lived in other people's homes. Cancer, heart attacks, dementia, mental illness, alcoholism, narcissism. I fought them off with busyness, jobs, overtime, children's violin lessons. If the monsters approached, I gave them a shove. If they shouted a warning, I ignored them. If they stared, I looked away. But age and time allowed them in. We mark phrases, circle measures, and pledge additional practice. I commit, between visits to the hospice and nursing home, to conquer vivace tempos and octave leaps. I crave more time in this place, where monsters can be tamed, and for a few minutes make me smile and forget. Miles Davis by Barbara Tyler We, the mediocre, gain immense pleasure to hear pure genius while secretly harboring schadenfreude to discover its tortured soul. Miles Effin Davis When he wasn't cursing mediocrity, he was contorted in an S-curved slouch, blowing pure genius into his shiny sleek trumpet, funneling his tortured coarse soul into the instrument's own complex curves, into musical alchemy, into troubled emotion, into sustained notes so long and pure. Wealthy wasps were mad to make love to it, leaving their bolero albums in record sleeves. We, the jealous mortals, use hindsight math, figuring if you subtract heroin from his equation, would we reach the sum of all blues, flamenco sketches, and so what? We, the mediocre, 
are satisfied to play this party game all night long to the soundtrack of pure, tortured genius. Thank you.